Welcome to Cosmic Scene with Jill Jardine. I'm your host, Jill Jardine, Master's in Counseling Psychology, Longtime Astrologer, Psychic Healer, and Yogi. My guest today is Janelle Annette. She helps women heal patterns of self-sabotage, unhealthy relationships. She also works with ancestral healing and so much more. Stay tuned and learn some fascinating information. Welcome to Cosmic Scene with Jill Jardine. In this episode, my guest is Janelle Annette. Janelle helps women to heal patterns of self-sabotage and unhealthy relationships so they can be confident, authentic, and attract healthy love. She founded a program called Alchemy, which has a focus in helping single women to be in a healthier relationship with themselves so they can attract high-quality relationships and end unhealthy romantic patterns. Janelle worked with rising women as a facilitator and does work on her own. She has so much to share about relationships and ancestral healing. Welcome, Janelle. So glad to have you here on Cosmic Scene. My listeners are excited to hear what you have to share. Yes, thank you so much for for having me. It's such a privilege. Our pleasure. Okay, well, I can just uh, get right into it. So I wanted to just bring some or open some conversation today around how deeply our ancestral um, themes and patterns and wounding actually play into our day-to-day life, because I think it's something that people are relatively disconnected from. You know, they don't really think about how many people came before them and how that might actually have a really great impact in the way that they show up today. So that's what I, I wanted to dive into. That sounds great. Some of my listeners may not even understand what you're talking about ancestral patterns. I mean, as I know it, it's what's in your DNA that you may not even be aware of. It's stored in the subconscious. But what would be an explanation for somebody who's hearing this term for the first time? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So, I mean, any kind of pattern or theme that was really prevalent in your um, with your ancestors might be playing out today. And I'll just, I'll speak to a little bit of like how this might happen and, and how this might show up. So obviously if a few generations back, some kind of trauma or something happened, it would influence the way that that ancestor would behave, right? So if, if they were raising then children, a lot of that stuff gets passed down behaviorally. And then of course that also influences the way that that child grows up and sees themselves. And then, you know, again, as they turn into a parent, it influences that. So behaviorally, it's very clear that when things happen, even if it's many steps back down the line, it influences the way that they see the world, see themselves and behave. And of course, the defense mechanisms that they build, right? So if anyone's been been through any kind of trauma, and we all have to varying degrees, but we all develop different ways to protect ourselves from not wanting to experience that again. So as much as that is helpful in the moment, it can be kind of painful later down the line. Um, and also just things like feeling maybe a little bit dysregulated in the nervous system or kind of constantly being on edge, being really jumpy, you know, any of those fight, flight or um, fight responses. So things like this can get passed down. And I, I'm speaking to behaviorally because I think right. that's an easy thing for people to, to grasp. But there is also, as you mentioned, the genes, which is 
um, epigenetics, the study of That's how right. um, there can actually be mutations in your genes based on trauma because it's really smart. The body is like, oh, well, I know this this person went through this big, scary thing. Therefore, that's what this environment is like. And I need to give them those same behavioral traits so that they're more likely to, quote unquote, survive, right? Although we're not at a place anymore where we're literally trying to survive. So it just becomes these kind of problematic behavioral patterns that then can get passed down to you. Right. I mean, I think the big example that everyone might have heard about is the research they did with descendants of concentration camp survivors or even concentration mm-hmm. camp uh, in Germany and elsewhere, the descendants have certain uh, predispositions to anxiety and again, the fear and fight or flight and other mm-hmm. manifestations that can be tracked back to what happened to their ancestors in the concentration camps. Yeah, absolutely. So then how do you help people with this? What would be the protocols or what would be a way to approach this? You've, and, and a lot of times they might not even be aware what the pattern is or how far back it goes. So how, do, how does your work help to facilitate that? Yeah, good question. Um, well, so usually at the point that we start digging into this, we're a little bit more aware of what somebody's going through. We've kind of uncovered a lot of relationship patterns. You know, this could be you continually find yourself in this one kind of dynamic and it's, you know, maybe really painful or challenging and or, you know, you you have suffered maybe with something your whole life and that's really obvious. And maybe sometimes it even feels like, where did this even come from? I don't know why I struggle so much. A lot of people think, well, I had a, you know, a good childhood and this and that, and, and they don't also see where things might have went wrong in a more immediate sense. And the work is never to blame parents or say they did a bad job. It's just about acknowledging things that maybe didn't feel great. And so to help people gain greater awareness and understanding of why they might struggle so that they don't feel like something's just wrong with them. So at the point where we've already uncovered a fair bit about what they're going through and what they're struggling with and, you know, deeper seated belief systems that they hold about themselves in the subconscious, we can then say, okay, we're going to move into the more ancestral theme and see how much has this actually repeated? Because you could probably say that, well, look, it's just right there with the more immediate caregivers. But it's also really interesting to start seeing that that's actually even further back because of how you're that, you know, your caregivers were, would have been influenced your parents if you grew up with both of your parents. So, um, what the first step in all of this is actually doing what's called a traumagram. And that would be getting um, somebody, getting a client to look at their entire family tree. And this is so fascinating. And they, if, you know, if they have a relationship with their parents, they can ask questions too, or just dig up from what they remember. But essentially drawing out a family tree, going back at least a grandparent generation, maybe even further, and try to understand what were the main themes of trauma and dysfunction that have all existed. And you'll see that usually on the paternal and the maternal lines, that there are very obvious repetitive themes throughout the family system, whether it's like divorce or addiction or, you know, even like extreme, like eating disorders and body image issues. And of course, it's varying, but you will see some more significant themes. And that might give that person then one more clarity towards if they're struggling with something along those lines, where that might have come from. And also just a lot of compassion, you know, because I think if we have all these problems and we feel like we're just alone in it, we don't necessarily recognize that um, 
we're also carrying the weight of a lot of people that have came before us. So it, it's, that's just recognizing, not necessarily the healing. And then the healing part is going through this kind of complex multi-step system to then understand underneath all of that, the maybe the problem that the client is dealing with in their main life. What are the deeper seated painful like belief systems underneath that? Um, and get this really detailed view of how it impacts them. And then um, I go through a, a about a 45-minute visualization process where we're working with the um, the nervous system, the, the somatic body, and both using some verbal cues and some visual elements to basically create this whole different dynamic, a healing experience with the caregivers and with the whole ancestral line. So all of these people um, and visual elements are are very powerful because that can do a lot in the brain. Part of your brain can't distinguish between what's real and not. So just using that in a way that can help resolve some of the pain from the past. <laughs> wow, that's a that's Voted a answer. <laughs> that's a very powerful process. But I can see where it would work. First of all, you have to uncover the dysfunction, and you know it's funny because up until like recent generations, these family or ancestral patterns would continue and they would be the quote family secret, or we're not going to talk about that aunt because she was a crazy alcoholic, or we're not going to talk about that aunt because she ran off and had an affair. So what used to be very much hidden in the shadows of family secrets now in the recent generations have come to the surface and people definitely are interested in healing, not only how it's presenting for themselves, but even healing it so that their descendants or their children won't be carrying it. And I know that this work can do that. And I like the way that you then reprogram with the nervous system and the somatic experiences, because you have to kind of replace it. And as you said, the brain has the plasticity to then learn new behaviors on a cellular level. So this is a beautiful system. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. And, um, you know, I will, I will give credit where credit is due. I worked with a, um, a man named Mark Woolen in a facilitation training. So he wrote a book called it didn't start with you. And he's done a lot of good work in, in this space. And so that process, although I've changed it a little bit and adapted it to be, um, my own is, is taught through him. So, um, yeah, it didn't start with you as the book. And it's, it's a really incredible resource to help help people go a little bit deeper in this if they're not uh, doing the work directly with somebody. But obviously the, the experience in itself is, is very potent. So. And what kind of, have you had people who had like major revelations or ahas as they've done this work? And I'm sure it probably comes pretty early on too, right? You don't have to go too deep to find out some of these patterns. Yeah, well, I'd say most throughout all of the work, I mean, even before this specific process, there's a lot of that. Um, but then in this in this process, because we're going really deep into, I mean, really at this point, we've, we've seen all this stuff happening at the surface, and so many people don't recognize how much is actually going on underneath. And we all have these, you know, incredible blind spots where we can see what's maybe wrong with everyone else. We, <laughs> we fail to see what's really going on with ourselves. And then to also have the compassionate lens of like what's underneath all of that stuff. So by the time we're doing this process, it's, we've gotten really deep, clear clarity and we can go right to that. So I would say this is definitely one of the more intensive emotional processes that I facilitate because usually people are, I mean, I think 
there's maybe been like one or two out of hundreds of, of uh, women that, that haven't cried. Um, and I, I'm not even sure if that's true. They might've like had a tear up or a little bit and they still had a powerful experience. So it definitely cuts deep, um, cause we've done the work beforehand to figure out like what needs to happen in this healing experience and this visualization to create that. And then there's also integration activities as well to continue, um, working with the mind and, and visual elements as well. Beautiful. My guest is Janelle mm-hmm. Annette. We're talking about ancestral patterns, but when we come back, she's going to discuss her work around relationship and how you help women with relationships to themselves and outside world, romantic relationships and more. Welcome back. My guest is Janelle Annette. And we're going to discuss relationships and what people may or may not be aware of when they engage in relationships and the kind of work she does with women to help them understand the whole dynamic. Hi, Janelle. Hi. What would you like to share with my listeners about relationships and all that goes with that? Yeah, big, big question. And I think... One of the first things I guess I'll just say is that a lot of the time we think that we're, you know, we're kind of just roaming around through life and people come and people go and, you know, you like them, you don't like them, it works, it doesn't work. And we just see relationships as these things that kind of happen to us. And we don't necessarily own the fact that we are actively always co-creating what's coming into our lives and how we're, of course, relating then to the partner. So a lot of the work I do is about getting to know that subconscious mind, you know, the 95% of, of our brain functioning, what's actually guiding our ship. Because consciously we think we're making choices and decisions and we're actually not. And once we start to really understand that, we become a lot more empowered to change, right? That's just kind of like, oh, I know this thing isn't good for me or this person isn't good for me, but you know, you just keep going back. And for some reason you feel like, why do I keep going back to this person? Or why do I keep reacting in this way or whatever it is? And it, we see this thing happening before us that we can't seem to change. That's because the subconscious is really at the wheel, Um, so yeah, I think relationship, it's really important that people start to really get a little bit more curious. And, you know, if you're, let's say, for example, something that comes up a lot in my client work is, uh, I work with women. Um, so women that tend to attract emotionally unavailable men or partners, right. And that being a really, uh, large theme in their lives. So for that woman who's had countless experiences of every single person she's dated is just being unavailable and maybe one kind of way, rather than seeing it as, hmm, why am I so attracted to this kind of person? It's all, you know, men are like this. Right. This is just how men are. So then we we really identify with our belief systems without actually realizing that there's a vast array of like different kinds of people and humans with different emotional capacities, yet we're, you know, that one person is so drawn to that kind of person. So it's this confusing thing where it's easy to externalize and say, well, it's all about them, when in all in actuality, it's something going on within you. Right. Like the women say this all the time, why do I keep picking this type? Well, you're not doing it consciously, mm-hmm. but your subconscious is magnetic to that type who probably isn't too good for you. 
but yeah, so I could see where you could help them when they unravel why why are you doing this? No, even though you, to your best intentions, you're not trying to. Absolutely, yeah, and I, I like to say, even if that pattern is happening and it's frustrating, there's some kind of medicine within that for you, right? Because it's just something trying to be healed. Once we start to really understand relational dynamics, we see how much is linked to our early childhood development, right? With those more immediate caregivers. So like, you know, there's some kind of missing need, essentially. There's something that you were looking to get from a parent that you're now looking to get from a partner. You're still trying to get that need met. Um, But what happens is you also look to have that need met by people who resemble your caregivers. So instead of meeting that need for you, they typically tend to perpetuate that pain, right? Um, Let's say you just didn't get a lot of, along with this example, maybe you had a, you know, a a father figure or one of your caregivers who was really just emotionally distant and never really made you feel too loved or you know, nourished in that way. They would try to maybe show their love in a different way, but they might've just been a bit more stoic. So if you naturally end up attracting men that are very similar to that, deep down what you really want from them is to finally, you know, choose you and make, make you know that they really love you and care about you. Yet they're never actually going to do that because you're picking that person who's not available to do that. So you're kind of playing out this really painful pattern of saying, I'm so attracted to this person because I want them to choose me so bad. I want to finally feel worthy in their eyes because really they're just a projection of dad or whoever, you know, did that. And then what ends up happening is they don't because you're just, you're picking that person that resembles that caregiver and you're just stuck in this pattern. And sometimes they do, and that can help and can heal a lot, but typically, um, typically that's not the case. Typically it just stays in this kind of push pull pattern, um, that doesn't really go anywhere. Right. So when you're working with a woman, you would probably make her aware of the pattern, but then what would you do to help them shift the pattern? Not necessarily, you know, which of course you shift the pattern, then the relationship dynamics will shift. Mm hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So through many different ways and basically, first of all, the step is awareness because if you're not catching how all of these things are playing out in your thoughts, then you're in trouble. So we kind of uncover certain core wounds that somebody's carrying based on all of this exploration, as well as looking at their belief systems about how do they see themselves. Because if there was that pain with that early caregiver, they probably form some beliefs about them as well, right? Like I'm not maybe worthy of somebody's love and attention or in order to get somebody's love and attention, I have to maybe look a certain way or act in a certain way. So we kind of shape shift. So once we see what really forms that pattern, we can then have the, the work that is typically in contradiction to our patterns. And there is a quote, I believe Harriet Lerner said something along these lines, and I'm not quoting it exactly, but, um, you know, relationships are a dance. And if one person changes the footing, the dance can no longer go on. So it really then becomes you recognize, okay, I'm somehow co-creating this pattern. I'm attracting these kinds of guys. I'm also probably behaving in a certain way. I'm just going to keep using this example of the emotional, unavailable um, people. That's a good one. (laughs) Typically, yeah, it's a classic (laughs) one. Um, you know, typically if you're attracting emotionally unavailable partners, there's also a part of you who is 
kind of unavailable because you're you're drawn to this person that's not actually going to call you into that depth. They're not going to call you into your vulnerability. There's always kind of these walls up, right? So part of that work could be within that attraction, dismantling some of those walls and having them, you know, change their footing, having them maybe get a little bit more vulnerable, have them also regulate their nervous system so they're not in this anxious, like, leaning in, please choose me, and they can come back to them, their center. Um, helping them identify where there's self-rejection and maybe some worthiness issues and do some repairing around that and do some checking that so that they can stand a little bit more firm in their boundaries and basically you know, here I am, this is what I want. And if you can't give that to me, then I'm comfortable walking away, right? And actually getting really real. And so kind of bringing some different themes forward into their relationships or into their dating and having them show up in a bit of a different way. And through that process, and it's really uncomfortable, sounds simple, but it's not, it's uncomfortable because you're going against all this conditioning. You can actually change the way that either people are approaching you and interacting with you and even the kinds of people you're attracting over time. That was the most potent thing we've heard in a podcast. Tom, my engineer and I are like shaking our heads. Yes, yes, yes. And if people get no other point from the podcast, but that, that's a gem. Thank you, Janelle. That's amazing. Yeah, of course. So very important. I think that was in a nutshell was what people need to hear Mm. so eloquently expressed. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of cosmic scene with Jill Jardine with my guest, Janelle Annette. Remember to subscribe, download, share, and give us a five-star review. Sending ancestral healing energies through the quantum field.